seeds, soil, and a whole lot of water is what I'm going to be speaking on this morning. And if you want a title for this message, it is simply titled, Shake Up the Ground. Okay, look to your neighbor and say, shake up the ground. Okay, now, when you shake up the ground, you don't just say, shake up the ground. Look to your neighbor one time and say, shake up the ground. In fact, shake your neighbor. Shake them. Shake up the ground. Because I believe so much that it is the, the, the Father's heart um, to give increase to His church. It is the Father's heart to give increase to His sons and daughters. Increase in joy, increase in favor, increase in spirit, increase in territory, both physically and spiritually. Can I get an amen? And so God is planting seeds in healthy people because healthy people grow healthy things. And so what I've come to learn is that we are seed carriers, carriers of the word of God to make disciples of all nations. Why? Because the church is the bride, Jesus is the groom, and the father paid a very big price for the bride. And so we've got some work to do. Why do we have a job to do? Why do we have some work to do? Because all nations need to hear the good news of the gospel. Every single person needs to hear the good news of the gospel. And until the whole world hears the gospel, uh, Jesus is going to wait for that moment. Okay, that's just what the Bible says. And so we've got a job to do. Tap your neighbor and say, we've got to work it. We've got to work it. We have to work the ground. The Bible says, he blesses the work of your hands, not your hands without work. And all the young people were like, oh, no, 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 no. I want the CEO position without the fight to get there. Deuteronomy 28, 12, it says this, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. That is a word right there. And when I started to uh, prepare this message and read some more scripture and do some more studying and do some more research, I started to make sense of what the scripture was actually saying. The Lord will open the heavens, Marcel said it last week, the storehouse of his bounty, he'll open his word to his people, to send rain, the Holy Spirit, on your land, the soil of your heart, in season to bless all the work of your hands, working it into your life, and you will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. Church, the world needs the seed. The world needs the word, and we need to give it to them. You are seed carriers. When a seed is planted in you, and that seed grows to become something, you bear fruit, and that fruit is not for you. The fruit is for your neighbor. The fruit is for someone else. And when they consume the fruit, guess what they get? The seed. And so it continues and it continues and it continues. And I recently, how this whole message came about was I recently started a bit of gardening. Anyone love a bit of gardening? Where's the green finger people at? I mean, I don't have green fingers, but I, 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 I have a little piece of uh, a couple of squares and I, and I wanted to put some grass there. Because we, we moved into Isolwenia, it's, it's a beautiful little home for our family, and we're investing into it, even though we're renting, and I'm just going to say this quickly to help some uh, younger people, um, we're investing financially into something that does not belong to us, because once when we move out, it's going to look better for the other person who moves in, because we have to honor the space that we're in. Can I get an amen? 
So when you're faithful with what God has given you today, he will give the increase tomorrow. So if you're looking for a beautiful marriage one day, guess what? You have to honor the relationships that you are in today. Can I get an amen? And so honor it. So yes, we're going to spend some money on it. Yes, it's, it's going to stay there when we leave, but that's okay. It's going to be good for the next person who lives there. So I looked at this little piece of a uh, uh, couple squares of bare land. It was dry, 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 dry. There was nothing. All right. And so I went to Marka, as a good pastor does. Went to Marka. I went to buy some seeds. I bought the seeds. I came back. I sprinkled the seeds and I put some water and I waited seven days and holla at your boy. Guess what happened? Absolutely nothing. All the, all the gardeners, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's a little photo. Uh, show the photo of the, of the nothing. <laughs> okay, it's not extravagant by any means, guys. It's a small garden, but I wanted some grass. There's no grass. Now, why did the grass not grow? I read the instructions. I looked at the YouTube videos. I researched on, on the Googs, you know. I gained all the knowledge. Listen, I had faith to see the seeds grow. Like I had faith to see my job be amazing. Like I had faith to see my marriage succeed. Like I had faith to see my business step into its next season. Like I had faith to see my church go. Like I had faith to see my kids be raised up in the ways of the Lord. And if I had faith for it, then why did it not happen? Anyone ever ask yourself that question? If I have faith for it, why didn't it happen? Why did the seeds not grow? Well, because I did not shake up the ground. I did not shake up the ground. God sends the seed. You need to shake up the ground and he will send the rain and you will see something grow. You need to shake up the ground. There's a little bit of work to do. He will bless the hands, the work of your hands. What's the point of gaining all the knowledge? What's the point of reading the Bible from the front to the back and watching every YouTube sermon and checking into church Sunday in and Sunday out and hearing the word of God, but never doing the word of God. Because the Bible says, faith without works. Now, I'm not talking about faith for your salvation. Don't get that twisted. Your salvation has been covered by the blood of the Lamb. There is nothing that we need to do to get into heaven. He has done it all. It's the grace of Jesus. Can we get an amen? Thank you that I don't have to do a certain amount of prayers a day, that I don't have to do this and that. No, I acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I receive salvation. But day to day, we've got to shake up the ground. We have to work the soil. And so the increase, the blessing, doesn't come from hearing the word. It comes from doing the word. And the Father wants to do some gardening in the hearts of his church this morning. And if we are open to his agricultural ways this morning, I believe that God is going to do some work. Anyone here needing a little bit of gardening in the soul of the heart. I know I do. And so I take you to Matthew chapter 13, and this is where our journey of understanding the parable of the sower starts. Matthew chapter 13, one to nine, it says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it. He positioned himself as a teacher. And while all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. 
Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprung up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. Everybody say good soil. Where it produced a crop. If the seed falls on good soil, it will produce a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. If the seed falls on good soil, it will produce a crop. If the seed falls among the thorns, it will be choked. If it falls among the rocks, it will not have deep roots. It will shoot up quickly. Come on, how many people do we know who have checked into church? They've said, yes, Lord. And the minute they walk out that door, the worries of life gets them. And that breaks my heart. And so something needs to change. Something needs to happen. Do you know what we need to do, church? We need to shake up the ground. So here's a quick image um, of a field, a farmer's field in Israel. It's going to come up on the screen. So there is uh, a field on the far right, a field on the left. There is good soil. Then there is a path, then there's thorns, and then there's the rocky places. And so this is how the farms look. And so uh, the rocky places, that's that's the boundary line between one farm and another farm. So they know this is mine, that's yours. Stay out of mine, I'll stay out of mine. Okay, and then there's the path which the farmer walks on because if the farmer sows the seed, he doesn't walk over the seed. There's a path. Okay, and then there's the thorns. And then there's the rocky places. So what the farmer would do when he plants seed, this is what I learned, is that he would take seed, hold it in his hand, you know, like when I did seed in my garden, I went like this, because I want to make sure, (laughs) you know. The farmer there in Israel, he goes like this, he puts it in his hand, holds it like this, and he goes like this. And he swings his hand around, and so the seed goes everywhere. And so when Jesus was speaking to the people, and he was saying, when the farmer sows his seed, some seed land on good soil. And I'm going to do, do my best to make sure that it lands in good soil. But some seed is going to land among, uh, along the path and some along the rocky places and some along the thorns. And so that's what it looks like when Jesus was explaining this parable. And so people who heard it could identify because they've seen it. And so Jesus was literally speaking into their hearts. And so how is the condition of your soil this morning? Are there some rocky areas? Are there some rocky places? Are there some thorny areas that the seed can't flourish in? And when we are faithful with preparing the ground, God sends the blessing. Genesis 26 and 12 says, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. When we are faithful, God does the increase I love this scripture in Matthew 26, and I I always kind of wondered about this scripture. Matthew 25, 29 says, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Whenever I read that scripture, I was like, yeah, it's unfair that, eh? You mean the rich is going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer? That's not what Jesus was saying. Whoever has good soil, when a seed is planted, will reap a hundredfold. They will have more. But whoever does not have good soil, they will 
plant, but it won't last. So how is the condition, this is what made me think, Jean, okay, cool. How is the condition of my heart? How is the condition of my soil? What's my field look like? And if I'm being honest, there are times my field does not look good. There are some times when my, when my field has got some rocks in it. Some, not even some rocks, can I be honest? Maybe boulders, <laughs> a little bit bigger than a rock. <laughs> and I have to be honest with myself. And so what gave me courage, though, is that three things gave me courage. Number one, we are not the seed. We're not the word. We are the seed carriers. And we have a field called the heart. Two, there is nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the word. We don't need to add to it. We do not need to take away from it. Number three, in order for the seed to germinate in the soil of our hearts, our hearts needs receptive soil. It needs some attention. So, three things that good soil needs that I learned. I'm not a gardener or a farmer. I learned this. Number one, it needs good temperature. Number two, it needs good oxygen. Number three, needs water, obviously. So, let's go through this. Point number one, temperature. Church, get lit. I'm the youth pastor, I can say that. It really means just get on fire for Jesus. The church you see needs to be fire because the gospel is heat. Can I get an amen? Let me tell you what, you cannot receive the word of God in your heart and remain cold. You can't, it just doesn't happen. And if you're sitting here today or watching online and you feel a little cold, you really have to ask yourself some questions. I'm just being honest. Is it okay if I can be honest? Because when the gospel really gets in on you, your life changes from cold and boring to a life that is on fire for the ways of the gospel. When I read the word, when I read the Bible, I'm supposed to have it with me here and I don't, and I'm sorry. It's over there by the speaker. But when I read the Bible, it, it challenges me, church. When I read the Bible, it convicts me, church. When I read the Bible, it also comforts me at the same time. It also brings me peace. It also gives me grace. It also shows me that I have a brighter future than I may see today. That there is a brighter future for my family. That there's a brighter future for our government. That there is a brighter future for your business and for your marriage. That there's a brighter future for South Africa. When I read the word, it does all of those things. The word is not dormant, stationary, or ordinary. When it gets in on you, it heats you up. Seed actually needs good temperature. Partly why the seed didn't grow in my garden was because I bought for a sunny area, and it was actually a shaded area. <laughs> Now, if that's true, I had to ask myself the question, why is it, John, that you took so long to get on fire for Jesus? Why did it take so long for you to heat up? And I had to be honest with myself, and I had to say, well, John, you need to stop placing yourself in cold environments, having cold conversations, thinking that it's going to heat you up. Perhaps thinking, dipping our toes in church once a week Expecting to heat up the ground is not the right thing. Perhaps we need a little bit more than just a Sunday experience. Perhaps we need a little bit more than just ticking the box. Get out of cold environments that, keep, that you keep placing yourself in. I had to be honest with myself. When I was growing up as a teenager, I had some, some very naughty friends. <laughs> Anyone here ever 
You know, you think back to those days, you're like, yo. And I wondered why. <laughs> and I wondered why. I had to remove myself from certain conversations. I had to remove myself from certain actions. Because if I wanted to be on fire for Jesus, I, need to, I needed to get into the heat and not keep on cooling myself down with nonsense. <laughs> and what I learned was is that we don't just need to be in good temperature. We also are called to be a people who create good temperature, to create good conversation. Deuteronomy 28, what did it say? You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. The world needs the gospel. Gospel doesn't need the world. There's a difference. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like fire? Everybody say fire. Fire. Declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock. Are you getting this? Are you getting this, church? Isn't the word like fire? Listen to the next generation. They're going crazy out there. And a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So I need to explain the fire part. When a farmer in Israel prepares his field as he waits for the rain in November, I might be wrong, and um, he prepares his, his, his field by firstly burning the top layer because while he waits, thorns grow up, not just in the thorny area next to the boundary wall, but also in the field. Thorns grow up, and so he first clears it of that. The word of God is like fire that takes away the thorns. The word of God is powerful enough to put fire to the thorns in your life. I'm going to explain what that means in detail a little bit more in a moment. Now, the seed that falls along the rocks, it refers to the person who hears the word and receives it with great joy, but because the word didn't take root, they also only last a short while. Perhaps the reason our hearts have become hardened, and I'm not saying our hearts are, but maybe we're sitting in the room and we're being honest with ourselves, that perhaps there are some areas that I need to take care of is because maybe we, we're suffering a bit of an offense or we're dealing with unmet expectations or undelivered promises, unforgiveness or jealousy, perhaps it's unanswered prayers or it's a lack of understanding or it's simply just the lies and the deceitfulness of the enemy that has somehow gotten into your field causing your heart to turn from good soil to hard rock where the good seed cannot take root. Has anyone ever suffered a bit of an offense? <laughs> Silly question, John. Everyone. But those things get in on who we are, and if we don't deal with them, if we don't give them to the Father, it remains in our field. So when someone says to you something of the good news of the gospel, or you hear a word, you can't quite seem to understand it, God, because I'm still thinking about this thing that that person said the other day, and I'm frustrated. And God goes, hey, let that go. Let me speak to you in a new way. Ezekiel 36 and 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's what the Bible says. And what happens when we get into a godly community? We hold each other accountable. 
We remind each other of our identity in Christ. And we remind each other of what God has spoken over our lives. That's what we get to do. We go from frozen and fragile to fierce and full of faith in a moment. So basically, get into godly community, church. This is why small groups exist, so that we can hear the word of God, so that we can encourage one another. I cannot hold back my praises of what God has done for my life. I cannot stop speaking about how faithful God was. I, 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 I cannot hold it back from the world. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. All the time, he does not change. And that's why the Bible says when the praises go up, the blessing comes down. When the praises go up, the blessing comes down. When you refresh, so also, church, will you be refreshed. So it's like a hammer that breaks the rock. And the church is where we find the breath of life. The breath of life. Anyone in the, in the room a little claustrophobic sometimes? You get into a lift and you start to freak out and sweat. Or you get into a tight space and it's uncomfortable because you feel like you can't breathe. That's sometimes what we feel like in life. And what I learned was in order for seed to grow, it needs oxygen. So take a breath, church, because God is breathing on you again. There's an open heaven. Oxygen brings life to the soil, but if the thorn grows, the plant is choked. It will soon lose its ability to produce fruit. That's what the thorns represent in this parable. It grows up with the plant and it chokes the oxygen, and so the plant is not able to produce the fruit which will hold the seed for the next person. Does that make sense? This is what Jesus is saying. So the seed that fell among the thorns referred to the worries of this life, and the deception of wealth. Now pause that one for a moment and let that simmer for a bit. This is what Jesus meant by the thorns. The worries of this life and the deception of wealth. We've all been there before. The 20th of the month. You know. You go and tap your card. Ding, ding, decline. <laughs> Start to sweat. I've got a family to look after. I've got people to pay. Ding, ding. Mm-mm. Oxygen has left the building, <laughs> you know, and you start to freak out. And the 25th comes, and your account looks scrumptious again. And it looks great. And then you remember that the Bible says that you should give your first fruits to the church. And it's the 25th, and you remember what the 20th felt like, and oxygen. <laughs> you start to worry because you believe that you are the person in control of your life and your finances, not realizing that actually you've got a good father in heaven who is the increaser, who is the blesser. My confidence is not in my bank account. It sounds so crazy to say, but I give rocks if there's nothing in there. I, I don't mind. Do you know why? Because I know I am a son of the most high God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who gives the increase. I'm in his hands. I'm not in the hands of the world. I'm not in the hands of my employer. I'm not in the hands of the bank. I am in the hands of the father. 
It's a very, very, very difficult one to grapple with. But if there's a thorn there, it's taking some oxygen. And this is what it means when we start to work the soil. We start to work the soil. When we trust Him with our children and we trust Him with our lives and we trust Him with our future, the oxygen returns and the church can breathe again. Do you need a breath of life? And that is how you overcome the thorns. What about worry? Worry can choke up the word of God. And so Jeremiah 17 and 7 says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. My confidence is in him. My confidence is in the one who created me, the one who gives the increase. Matthew 6, 25 and, and 34 says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns like you and I do, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I read this quote and I thought it was pretty good. Worry today does not take away tomorrow's stress. It strips the strength of today. It strips the strength of today. I've got two minutes left. Can you believe it? Something I learned about planting is that being planted and being buried are two different things. Uh, planting and being buried looks the same to the person that lacks perspective. You bury to get rid of something. You plant so that it can go through a process and it can come up better than it was when it went down. Planting and burial could look the same to people, but they are two different things. Just because you're in a season where you feel like you're under, or just because you're in a season where you feel like you've got some dirt on you, or you can't seem to see what's next, does not mean that God can't breathe on you. You are not buried, church. You are planted. And you're going to come up better than you looked when you went down. Let me speak to the older generation because I'm young, not, hey, 30 now, 31. Hey, the Lord is good, eh? But if, if, if you're in your latter years and the enemy has convinced you that your, your time is almost rounding up, it's finished, you can just sit down and you know, just enjoy the last, you know, 10 years or whatever it is. I'm going to just ax that right now in the name of Jesus. Because if you're still alive, sir, and you're still breathing, you still got the breath of Jesus in your lungs, it means that you are still here for a purpose and a reason. Your time is not done. You're not buried. You're planted. And God is still going to use you. You still got some seed to pass off to the next generation. You're not buried. You're planted. I love this. Job 33 verse 4 says, you know Job. My brother went through some, some issues. Job 33 verse 4, the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. In order for a seed 
to be in good soil, your soil needs good oxygen, the breath of life. And I know my time is, is running out and the worship team are going to come and join me. Point number three, very quickly, you need water. You need water. It was so funny. When I planted seed in my garden, <laughs> my host pipe was a little bit short. So I could only water from one, one area. And I was watering. And if you saw the tree there, the tree is right in the middle of the garden. I call it my Eden. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm watering the garden. But the tree is in the way, so the tree catches all the water. The water doesn't fall behind the tree. And only after a while did I start to realize that there was one patch shaped like a tree that didn't grow any seed because it didn't get any water. And so what areas in your life, church, hasn't received any water? Has there been some, been some seed in your life that's been planted, but we missed uh, the drive-through of getting water. The water represents the Holy Spirit. It says this in John 7, 37 and 39, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who thirsts, who's thirsty, come to me and drink. Verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes on his church and when the Holy Spirit comes and waters your field, the soil of your heart, living waters will flow from you. The watering process is the process needed to reveal what has been concealed. Planting is the destiny hidden and increase is destiny revealed. And what helps make that possible is the Holy Spirit. Church, don't let the possibility of a fruitful life simply pass you by because we missed the watering stage. Receive the Holy Spirit. Have the Holy Spirit active in your life. And I was speaking to Pastor Dill about this just the other day as I was preparing and asking for wisdom because you go to your leaders for wisdom, amen. And I was speaking to him and he was saying, practically, John, what I do with my family is we sit at home on a, on a Saturday morning. Well, this is something that they recently implemented and we put on some worship music, make some pancakes, we put on some worship music and then we sit together and for 10 or 15 minutes, we sit with our hands out and we ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak. Sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit is a mystical, uh, you know, thing somewhere. But the Holy Spirit is a person, part of the Trinity that lives within us. The greatest advantage that humanity could have ever received was when Jesus went up to heaven. Because when he went up, the Holy Spirit came down. When the blessing goes up, when the praises go up, the blessing comes down. Jesus could be in one town at one place to speak to a group of people. The Holy Spirit is in my heart right now as he is in yours, as he is in transit and as he is in the next generation next door. He can be everywhere at once and he can listen to everybody's conversations at once. It's not like us, you know, silos. You know, all the men in the room and your wife says something, you gotta repeat it about four times and then, then you get shired and then you do it. <laughs> The Holy Spirit can listen to everybody at once. Psalm 1, 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sits in the company of mockers. And this is the word, church. This is what the word says. It's so funny, like, you know, sometimes we just, we're just okay with a lot of stuff that happens around us. Like we're okay with, you know, people using, oh, I guess, the name of Jesus in vain or when people mock one another and we have a laugh and we, you know, jab each other. Ha ha, that was funny. We tolerate a lot of stuff and we're just okay with stuff. But the, the word says, blessed, blessed, blessed. Anyone here want to be blessed? If you want to be blessed, if you want the increase that God so desperately wants to give you, then we've got to work the soil. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, who does not agree with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by a stream of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. When we're in step with the Father, I, I, I love I love that um, that scripture where it says the the word of the Lord is like fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock. And I really do think today that perhaps God is, by way of the Holy Spirit, going to break some rocks in the hearts of people today. Because when the farmer used to prepare his ground, he, 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 if there were boulders, he would have to take a sledgehammer and break the rock to carry the pieces away. You cannot carry the boulder on your own. You need the word of God in your life. It's going to break you. <laughs> so you need the word that breaks the boulder so that you can carry away the pieces. I love the, the example of, of water. You know, when you, when you go into a desert, you most likely will, will perish because of thirst. And so the Bible says that the Israelites drank from the rock, Jesus Christ. Um, the lady, the woman at the well, when Jesus went to go and meet her at the well, Jesus was thirsty. And Jesus basically said to her, give me your water and I'll give you my water. Because if you drink from that water, you will thirst again. But if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. This is the grace of God. In closing, my hope this morning is simply that God would have highlighted something to you in your field, which is the soil of your heart, so that when the word lands, it grows up into something beautiful that produces fruit, a harvest through you, a harvest through your children. I mean, I have a daughter now, she's almost two, and I'm praying and believing for a harvest through her one day. I am. But I also know that she is first God's before she is mine and that God's got her in her hands. But I'm believing for a harvest through every family here today, a harvest in every young person, a harvest in every ministry in this church, a harvest in every young adult community, and still a harvest in every person as an individual in this room 
and a line. So I wanted to show you, because I'm quite excited about this, a photo of what happens when you work the soil. I'm not a farmer, I'm not a gardener, but I work the soil. Listen, that's the kind of grass you want to just go lay on. <laughs> it's going to tickle you a bit, it's not going to make you itchy, it's actually quite lacquer, you know. But I really do believe, if we go back to the first picture, the one before, about two months ago, the one, yeah, sometimes this is what our lives look like. And I, to be honest with myself, yeah, there's some greenery there in the distance. And perhaps, you know, perhaps the tree in the center is actually just a representation of Jesus. I am the tree, you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. And when I remain in you, go to the other picture. That's the result. I believe this is a, this is just a, a photo of what our lives should look like. I don't want to live dry and barren and boring. I want to live like lush and nice and full of the word of God. So church, would you stand?